So here we are. I'm here with Carl Ja again. Carl, I was thinking like, um, you know, there's a there's a Jackie Chan movie with uh, a partly Indian and partly Chinese cast called Kung Fu Yoga. <laughs> and I think like if if we keep doing this, maybe that's what we should do. We should come up with some kind of like China, Chinese Indian name for the for the edition. I think Kung Fu Yoga sounds great. <laughs> maybe it's already taken, but it's probably I don't know. Uh, you know, like you're, you're, you probably know these categories of like American-born Chinese or like American-born Desi, um, yeah. Desi, American-born confused Desi. Have you heard that one? A B C D. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But you know, like I'm from, I'm from South India, like Kerala, so we don't really use the term Desi. That's a, that's oh, a Hindi really? word. Yeah. So we don't have that word really. We just say we're Indian. So yeah, you're, but you're not American-born. You're a CBC. You're a CBCOC. You're CBO. Chinese-born overseas. You're OC. Are you OC? You're overseas Chinese. Oh man, this gets complicated. That gets complicated. Yeah, real, I'm. I yeah, I'm. I was uh, like I stated on your show before. I was born in China and I came over when I was 13 years old. So I'm guess I'm like 1.5 generation. Yeah. <laughs> my my parents, you know, they tried because India started creating all these categories for NRI, like non-resident Indian. And there's like a different one overseas OSI. There's different statuses now. And my mom, they tried to um, they tried to get one of those statuses so they wouldn't have to get a visa every time they travel to India. So they went to the consulate and they paid thousands of dollars and they got in trouble because apparently... I had entered India illegally in 1979 when I was two what? years old. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> my wow. mom, you know, took me back because uh, my grandfather was dying and what, you know, yeah. they, she took me to see I was two and they had some, yeah, like I didn't have a proper document, but they let me in anyway. And they were like, this was irregular and they had to pay a fine to make it all right. And, but you know what's impressive about that? That means they actually have a centralized database system. So oh yeah. From that far, I mean, that, I'm impressed. Like 1979, they had that record. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little bit that. scary, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. All right. So you know, first I want to talk. Let's talk about capitalism today, because um, right. I just finished this book, this terrifying book, which is a bestseller in China right now. It's called The American Trap by this French uh, corporate exec, uh, I guess he's a manager, Frederick Pierucci. Yes. So Frederick Pierucci is uh, 2013. He's on, a he's on a plane stopping over at JFK Airport, I think from Singapore, and the FBI slaps the cuffs on him and takes him to jail. Um, and immediately there starts this negotiation to see if he can get out. And his lawyers are sort of working kind of for the U.S., <laughs> so they're never really working for him. Uh, they're they're constantly advising him. And he's, he's amazed because he doesn't understand the American system. So it's like a gradual revelation that it's not like the movies. So it's not about... Um, making your case it's not about going to trial they never go to trial it's all about negotiation and and leverage and trying to give yourself trying to sell the other guy out before he sells you out yes and, uh, and so yeah he says this thing where he says you know the first duty of of defense counsel in the united states is to get you to surrender <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
and then everything else kind of follows from that. Uh, wow. And so what's a, so he tells basically the story of the legal system, which is in 1977, they created this thing called the Foreign um, Corrupt Practices Act. And the idea was to stop U.S. firms from bribing. But uh, they, they didn't actually use that tool very often until 1998, when Congress allowed it to be used on anybody with any business in the U.S., which means email account in the U.S. or U.S. dollars for transactions, which literally means translates to everybody in the world. Then um, with the Patriot Act, which says the government can snoop on everybody's communications and the fact that uh, the tech companies are working with the NSA, it really means they can arrest anybody anywhere on suspicion of um, of corruption. So he gets caught up in this and he's only released he ends up doing like 15 months then he gets out for a little while then he has to go back and he's sentenced to another four i don't know 10 14 months so he spends a total of 30 months in u.s prison 15 of them maximum security he gets out in 2019 yeah he's finally freed in 2019 and what he exposes in his book is the fact that since, especially since around 2005, the U.S. has been using the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act to basically shake down all of its enemy, um, not enemy, all of its allies, big corporations. So in this period, Siemens, uh, these German companies, Siemens, Daimler, Fresenius Medical, they've paid $800 million in fines. 185 million in fines and 231 million in fines. The French companies total uh, 398 million, Technip 338 million, Alcatel 137 million, Societe Generale 293, 293 million. The Italian company Snamprogetti 365 million, Panalpina 237 million, BAE Systems from the UK and 400 million, Rolls Royce 170 million, Russia's MTS 850 million, Panasonic 280 million, and JGC 219 million. Those two from Japan. And then the big fish was BNP Paribas, which was 8.9 billion, settled for 8.9 billion. Uh, and that's wow. for sanctions. Yeah, that's for sanctions busting. Uh, for trading with Sudan, Cuba, and Iran. So I it was I read this book partly because people put me onto it because of the Meng Wanzhou case, because she's been essentially kidnapped by Canada and accused of so-called sanctions busting. And one of the mysteries to me was, why did Canada just give this up? Like, why is Canada doing this when Canada is going to have to pay the consequences with China? Then I realized if the U.S. is willing to do this to France, Germany, Switzerland, Japan, etc., then Canada, they're willing to do it to Canada, too. So Canadians who are doing business, Canadian execs and managers who freely travel back and forth, probably don't want to, <laughs> you know, probably understand yeah. that this can be done to them at any time. So what what do you what do you think of Huawei? Like where are you? Or how how are you watching? Like what are you seeing when you see Huawei uh, playing out and the Meng Wanzhou so, case? So I'm 
so I could actually just look up the the book, the Chinese edition of the American yeah. Trap on uh, yeah. on Jindong, the Chinese online uh, <clears throat> online com- uh, e-commerce site, and yeah. there's already over hundred thousand reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're very interested in this. <laughs> they yeah. are they are very they have. I'm glad they're interested in this too because. Yeah, and yeah. especially now, uh, it's not just Huawei. Now, now U.S. have moved on to TikTok, and you know, I used to joke about this couple of years ago. I say, you know, TikTok is getting so popular in in the West, particularly in U.S., and it's just going to be a matter of time for a State Department to slap a sanction on TikTok. I was joking, okay, like a couple yeah, of years ago, right. I was joking. <laughs> oh man, things just move but- so fast. Oh, um, my God. But I didn't tell you the punchline of Pierucci's um, case, which is okay. the whole thing ended with Alstom, the company that he works for, selling their nuclear power business uh, to General Electric. And once wow. they agreed to sell their nuclear power business for $13 billion, uh, the, all the charges went away, etc. Basically, it all yeah. just kind of fizzled out because gener- that was what it was about. It was about General Electric getting their hands on basically the most strategic uh, corporation in France, um, their nuclear power and their transport. But they, but GE just took over their nuclear dish, which also means they can turn lights off in France whenever they feel like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. Also. <laughs> So when when they do this to Huawei, uh, you know, TikTok, okay, TikTok is a fun app with 100 million users, so it's a big deal. But when they do this to Huawei, they're trying to take over the 5G. They're trying to take over the most cutting edge technology in the world right now. Yes. And this is, I mean, I, I remember when I first started working back in 2000. Right when I first joined mm-hmm. the IT industry in US, back then uh, there was a point when Cisco was the uh, was mm-hmm. the company with the highest evaluation on the US mm-hmm. stock market, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and Huawei basically started uh, by you know reverse engineering and copycat Cisco. You know they they started mm-hmm. out in the router business, um, but right. back then US uh, had some complaint about it, but kind of just ignored it because Huawei didn't uh, compete directly in the West. So Huawei started in China and then mm-hmm. expanded to overseas market in in global South countries in like mm-hmm. Africa, Southeast Asia. So, you know, it's not competing in the same niche as, uh, as Cisco. Right. But over the over time, you know, Huawei got better and, and started to branch out in different technologies, uh, you know, now Huawei became a, a one of the leader in, in developing 5G. And this is when uh, the national security establishment in the U.S. Yeah. panic, because yeah. uh, you know, let's face it, like the you know all the a lot of the social media companies, a lot of tech company in U.S. are very tightly integrated with U.S. intelligence services, you know, thanks right. to Snowden files, we, we know that. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and they just can't stand the fact that uh, now if Huawei is allowed to build 5G infrastructure in, uh, you know, in five ICE countries like U.S., U.K., 
Canada, uh, Australia, and New Zealand. Basically, you know, that allowed Huawei to lift the hood, to look under the hood. <laughs> and, and that, that can't, that, you know, that's not acceptable, right? And so that's why there's a huge push by the five I, by the, uh, five I country, particularly led by United States, to to ban Huawei. Um, and on top of that, you know, it's it, it, it's a, almost a perfect storm because now China has, with the growth of Huawei, you know, China is also rising to be the so-called peer competitor of United States. I mean, in not in just in uh, making shoes, but but in actual high-tech industries, one of the pillars of U.S. economy right now, uh, you know, finance and, and tech. And, yeah. And a lot of that, I mean, it's, it's blatantly obvious, I think, to mo- I mean, to at least most Chinese people in China, this move by U.S. is about preserving U.S. hegemony um, and especially U.S. lead in the tech world. But I don't think people who are making these decisions in Washington have thought out, you know, the long-term consequences of this move. Because uh, what they're doing is basically forcing China to be self-reliant. So prior to uh, the, the latest, uh, you know, decoupling between U.S. and China initiated by U.S. government, U.S. and Chinese economy is very tightly coupled, and especially in the tech sector. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the venture capitals uh, in, I mean, a lot of startups in Silicon Valley, they they take the Chinese money. You know, they were very mm-hmm. eager about Chinese investors a couple of years ago, uh, and yeah. on top of that, the, uh, you know, the, in many ways, the, the economy is complementary, right? So so you know, China produced parts. Uh, they make, uh, you know, they assemble Apple iPhone over there, and um, you know, Huawei doesn't doesn't really actually compete so much in U.S. Oh, actually, Huawei started to compete. So the ban yeah. started when Huawei phones started to appear in U.S. and yeah. the 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 ban was first against Huawei phone when U.S. government ordered basically all the. Uh, big mobile carriers to <laughs> to get yeah, rid of Huawei. Drop them. So, yeah, and now it's about 5G because that that's much much bigger uh, bigger pie. And yeah, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go now. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, like, uh, we I did this interview with George Koo, who's like a retired kind of business person. He knows a lot about the tech. And it was kind of he was kind of telling me like the difference between um you know that what's that plant that everybody knows about the Foxconn right versus yes. what what Huawei's been doing is like Foxconn's the equivalent of like you know assembling T-shirts or something like it's not uh, really high the highest tech but Huawei yeah. is into some of the highest tech now so yeah, there's no uh, yeah Foxconn is just playing the labor arbitrage, right? And the, yeah. it's a it's a Taiwanese company that yeah. they uh, basically do a lot of OEM, a lot of uh, assembly process for Western companies like Apple. And they build these huge factories in China involved in very um, like low, low skill, low value at labor, like just putting yeah. different components together in assembly line, right? And that, so that, that's like... That, 
Yeah, that relationship is fine with the U.S. Right, historically yes. and now, but like that that has started to change, and that's where uh, that's where the trouble is continuing to grow. But this weapon that the U.S. has of um, these various laws about sanctions busting and like the ability to just re- arrest somebody and take them hostage in several now countries. Like you can't fly through can- states, fine, but you can't fly through Canada, um, you know, and the, and the list will prob- presumably continue to grow. Like I wonder, I don't think China has started to seriously think about this until maybe this year. But I do wonder, like, what countermeasures are... I imagine there are countermeasures that are possible. I mean, for one thing, uh, China will now have to... I mean, I I have uh, some friends working in Silicon Valley, and they, you know, they they work with some of these uh, Chinese tech leaders. And there's a talk that, you know, China now needs to build its own IT stack from scratch, like independent from American platforms. Because as yeah. we see um, with Huawei, Huawei, like I said before, there was tight coupling of U.S.-China uh, yeah. economy, even the tech economy. Huawei before depended on Huawei phone depended on Qualcomm chips, right? right. And right. and they they purchased the semiconductor chips from Qualcomm. And and one of the earlier sanctions against Huawei was U.S. government ordered Qualcomm to stop supplying chips to Huawei. And they yeah. they up the ante uh, just in May this year. Not only the order Qualcomm to stop uh, supplying chips, the order uh, TSMC, the Taiwanese semiconductor, yeah. uh, to stop supplying chips to Huawei. I mean, like this is a Thai a company, not even in US. This is a Taiwanese yeah. company. And the, but there was but, a trick. They were trying to get them to open a plant in Arizona so that they could say they had an operation in the states and therefore. Uh, yes. Yes, because so, because TSMC has business interests in the United yeah, States, so exactly. therefore they must comply the, with the US laws, right? Yeah. So basically, US laws nowadays is not domestic; it's international. It applies to anybody who wants to do business or who have business in US. Yeah, because the legal theory, the legal theory that they have, uh, you know, Pierucci is just continually stunned, right? Because he's like. Uh, He's like, okay, but you're, I'm accused of corruption, but I'd never got any kickbacks. I never materially benefited from any of this corruption. I didn't even know about it. And they, the theory that they were, the D- Department of Justice presented was, well, it doesn't matter because you were in the job and you were benefiting from having the job. And he was like, but then everybody <laughs> benefits from having the job. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, they were also like, their theory is also like, if you, if you have your email going through a Gmail server, then you're subject to us laws. Yep. Uh, yep. And that goes back to, uh, you know, the U S kind of a near monopoly in terms of platform business. I mean, in, in the software we have, uh, basically, a duopoly between Google and Apple, right? You know, yeah. in, in terms of the uh, software basis for phones, you're you're either on Android phone or you're you're on iPhone, yeah. and and that's how US is gonna get TikTok because most likely US is gonna put uh, TikTok on an entity list, which means okay. uh, you will be banned from uh, no, from you will be banned from Google Store and and Apple Store, 
So right. if you use any of the platform, which is everybody, you can't, yeah. you can't, you won't be able to download TikTok anymore. And and that's that's something that China hasn't concerned itself with because you know before in the old days the the the, the theory of free market capitalism is you know comparative advantage right you should focus yeah. on what you do best and you know it's just a lot cheaper like more economic to source from uh, components from elsewhere and that was kind of the basis for the glo- latest rounds of globalization and you know that's why uh, you know for a, a phone to be put together you 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 can have chips that design in the silicon valley and then okay. physically put together in a foundry in taiwan and, and yeah. all these com- and some other components uh, made in South Korea, and then they all shipped to China uh, in Foxconn to put together in the iPhone, right? That that was the right. idea. And then, um, I mean, like China bought into that idea. You know, China also benefited from tight uh, sure. global integration with U.S. economy and the West. And now U.S. is pulling the rug from under, and 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 think that's a big wake-up call to the Chinese leaders that they can they will not be able to depend on any American platform because U.S. government th- can do any time. So I guess my prediction would be they're going to lose TikTok. They're going to sell it. Um, but then they're not going to give up Huawei nearly so easily or 5G uh, almost no oh, matter what because that yeah. is the future. I mean, yeah, I mean, so. like, in terms of 5G, there's not much U.S. can do about it uh, to Huawei, except for banning uh, and pressure its allies to ban uh, ban Huawei from 5G. But so far, it's only the 5G's uh, country that went along. You know, U.K. finally, uh, you know, reversed course. They agreed to remove Huawei. But they, it's interesting, they put the timeline to, like, after the november election so so it looks like uk is kind of hedging their bets to, to see us uh, you know us will change its track under a different president and yeah but you know all the stuff with uh with with pierucci and alstom happened under obama like it happened in 2013 exactly. so exactly. this is a system right and yeah. and i was you know that i got i was looking on um there's also a source that are, that says that H. So the whole thing with Meng Wanzhou starts with HSBC, which is another bank. I think it's a UK-based bank, um, and yes. they also they also were caught up in some kind of Department of Justice investigation. Uh, and they uh, so the idea is, you know, the theory is that they, in exchange for entrapping Meng. Um, and like showing her some document that then will prove that she has knowledge that she's trading with um, Iran and involving HSBC in trade with Iran, which is what the U.S. is claiming she's doing sanctions busting because of this. Uh, they, in exchange for entrapping HSBC, they got what's called a deferred prosecution agreement. Um, so they actually nope. got off the hook. Of probably potentially yeah. multi hundreds of millions of dollar fines. Uh, and uh, interesting fact factoids about H, uh, HSBC is uh, its full name is Hong Kong Shanghai Bank Corporation. And, and those are both occupied uh, <laughs> occupied by uh, British, right? Yep, it's actually 
HSBC started its operation by financing opium stealers in China. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yep, they they got their uh, they got their start in in the opium trade, basically financing all the British opium smugglers into China. And and now now they're legit banks, you know. <laughs> now they're legit. They've gone legit, yeah. And that's yeah. that's why they're doing all these legit things now. Exactly. Um. So right now, I mean, China has is already started to uh, try to be self sufficient. So after the Qualcomm ban in U.S., Huawei uh, started its own chip design. Um. They they actually made pretty good progress. That they made um they were able to make uh, come out with seven nanometer uh, design chips, but you know Huawei they don't have their physical foundry, so they were still sending their um, chips to Taiwan to be made, and that's why the U.S. tightened the loose and ordered the TSMC not to to make chips for um, Huawei anymore. So now you know basically China ha- will eventually have to like make their own advanced uh, semiconductor chips. I mean, China, China tried that before. Uh, it has a, it, it tried to lure like Taiwanese capital and Taiwanese uh, expertise. Uh, they founded SMIC in China, mm-hmm. but they they're still a couple generations behind in terms of uh, yeah. you know, the latest cutting technology. But I foresee there's going to be a lot more resource devoted to it now. Now they're basically got the u.s uh you know holding their balls basically it's a it's a big deal yeah because they yeah yeah i i, I gather the and then setting up one of these plants first basic the semiconductor manufacturing is like hundreds of billions of dollars right i mean it's yes, yes. so i mean that's why that's why like the taiwan uh, semiconductor has such a uh, stranglehold because it's not very high uh, margin business, but it's very mm-hmm. capital intensive. You have to put yeah. in a lot of capital up front to build these huge factories uh, <laughs> and to have that economy of scale. And, and, yeah. and that's why, you know, U.S. and Chinese companies for years have been just uh, perfectly happy to <laughs> give business to Taiwan semiconductors. But now right. now it's not a matter of you know profit margins now it's a matter of survival so you know yeah. i i'm sure i'm sure you know china of all the countries china would be the one that able to marshal the resource to pull it off um it might take a couple of years but I, I think i think it will happen and especially now um now now we, what we're witnessing is basically a breakdown in the globalization yeah, and globalization yeah that's right that's what but you know the other thing about this uh whole thing um that really uh like what it really tells me is because there's like within among leftists you still kind of hear people say you know there's a transnational kind of capitalist class and that like it's all kind of phony conflict between china and the u.s like they're really allies in suppressing the world together but I just don't see like the 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 Meng Wanzhou case in particular, but also even Pierucci, like it doesn't fit into that mold. Like this is much more the U.S. imposing itself on everybody, including the elites of countries that uh, want to do business with them. 
Yeah, I mean, the counter argument to that is that, uh, you know, let, let's just say, let's for the sake of argument, let's just say, you know, China is the same as U.S., you know, uh, uh, say capitalist economy. Um, look, look at World War One, right? <laughs> World War One, it's a very they all fight case. each other. Yeah, yeah, they all all fought fought each other, and and now we are kind of returning to that that uh, that era of great power competition, and 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 if you look at this latest uh, fiasco, it's a USA initiated. Like China yeah. is perfectly fine to uh, keep things going as yeah, it is just... because. You know, China benefited from that, benefited from integrating into the global economy. Uh, but now we have the the perfect combination of uh, like U- U.S. facing stagnation uh, on its home front, and there's also domestic pressure to to blame this uh, uh, blame this economic moralsis on some external enemies, and then China fit the bill. So. It's it's a perfect storm. Yeah. Anything else to add about TikTok? Do you think? Oh yeah. So uh, it's funny because I actually heard about the TikTok a couple of days before the news broke out. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, what I heard then was that uh, U.S. is forcing uh, is threatening to ban TikTok, uh, put it on entity list. Uh, and to unless you know, tick, uh, ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, divest it, uh, sell it to a U.S. company. But even um, with that, you know, U.S. the condition from U.S. government is that uh, the technical staff on TikTok will have to be completely uh, replaced, and and the the tech, both technical staff and AI algorithm will be vetted by a U.S. committee um, overseen by NSA. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, wow. <laughs> I yeah. just, it's it's such, um, like, it's so defensive. Like, it's it's so, um, when, when you think of imperialism, you think they want to export themselves. You know, they want to be aggressive. But like this, it's, it's a kind of fear you don't really see from the U.S. usually. You yes, know? I mean this. We're seeing. I think we're seeing this a lot more and more because you, the U.S. hasn't really recovered from the 2008, you know, great mm-hmm. financial crisis, and there's really a uh, that really shook up the confidence. I think in the U.S. system. Uh, I mean, at the same time, 2008 was when. Beijing Olympics happened, you know, that's when people finally saw, oh my God, you know, China is making so much progress. So there become a narrative that, well, China is going to eat our lunch. And, yeah. and that really play on the fear, like the domestic fear that U.S. is falling behind. Um, and, you know, Trump is just adding to that, you know, like, like the, the, all that, all that fear anxiety was there before. And, and Trump is just the expression of that. And, uh, yeah, I don't think. Unfortunately, I I don't I don't think uh, even like a Biden administration is going to make a difference. No, I don't think that has any. I don't think that makes any difference at all. The Democrats are just as anti-China as as the Republicans. Exactly. 
Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're most of yeah. each other right now it's to see who is tougher on China. As far as I can tell, even most of the Bernie Sanders people are are hate China too. Like, uh, it, there's no there's no big lobby that's like trying to have a reasonable kind of de-escalating position on China that I can see. Yeah, well, for, uh, historically in United States, were two. You know, the, the, there was a debate between the engagement camp versus the containment camp. And the containment camp is backed by the national security establishment because, you know, that's where their bread and butter come from. Whereas the engagement camp was normally supported by U.S. businesses who are eager to do business in China. Yeah. What changed in the last uh, few years is when the U.S. businesses realized Oh my God! Now they have formidable competitors in China. You know, like tech giants like Huawei. Um, you know, the, the successful social media companies like TikTok. And now, now their China is no longer seen as uh, you know a, a, a marketplace and, and a place of cheap labor, but a, a, a potentially dangerous competitor. So, I mean, one of the reasons, uh, the, the driver for for TikTok ban. Uh, this is from what I overheard from them among the Silicon Valley crowd is, is Facebook. You know, Facebook mm-hmm. really was, I, I mean, yeah, they really they must be the most terrified because yeah, people are getting bored. You know, it's not going to take that long for people to switch once, once they find something. I think the I think the yeah. captive Facebook audience is waiting for something and has been waiting for something else for a long time. Yeah. So. And and there was actually the all the uh, top tech uh, executive were called up on Congress to testify whether there's uh, you know wh- wh- whether China present uh, a, a national security threat. All these Chinese companies, tech companies, present a national security threat to U.S. Um, the the other tech uh, leaders kind of you know uh, kind of. <laughs> trying to trying to walk a tight rope, but but Mark Mark Zuckerberg, he was he was the one said yes. He was. He went straight. Yeah, he went it. straight for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's it's it's in his interest, and and so that's why you see kind of see the the balance shifting in the last few years because the previously the 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 pro engagement crowd, the chi- the the American business community. They kind of shifted. <laughs> they shifted. Yeah, they wanted a captive market, and what they're yep. getting is someone who, you know, a, a alternative, an alternative yep. for their for their captive markets, an alternative supplier for their other captive markets. Yeah, that's yep. it's very interesting. But yeah, I, I mean, again, like what I don't think China has figured out, and neither have the Europeans or anyone, is how to deal with this this kind of legal formidable legal and investigative and um imprisoning apparatus that the u.s has so i don't know what yeah, yeah i think it comes see. to a surprise for everyone i mean like yeah. a couple of years ago i i you know i was still joking about tiktok getting banned and now it's actually happening and on top yeah. of the tiktok there uh just news just came out today. Pompeo wants to ban WeChat too, um, and, and it's 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 so ridiculous because you know you can make a argument about TikTok is being used to gather user data in U.S., but WeChat is mostly used by Chinese people, you know, and, and Chinese Americans to keep contact 
with the yeah. families in China. And because we, for the Chinese uh, community, WeChat is much, much more like, like TikTok is for entertainment, but WeChat is actually a platform that you can use for everything. Yeah. And, yep. and you know, like basically, they're it's so obvious they're targeting WeChat because Chinese. Because uh, so I just made a tweet. I said, well, you know, U.S. is now turning into China, right? Like yeah, now Chinese yeah. people in U.S. will have to get on a VPN to use, which they already <laughs> know how to do anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I you know, U.S. government is gonna it's gonna be. Um, I mean, like, U.S. government can just shut the fuck up about the Great Firewall in China because now that's effectively happening in U.S. But I'm pretty sure U.S. government will still keep on talking about the Great Absolutely. Firewall. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I kind of, I noticed they didn't, they haven't made an argument about national sovereignty, you know? They're making arguments about, like, misuse of people's personal data and yeah. privacy, which yeah. is funny because it's like, that's what they do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if they had said, you know, national sovereignty, that would be why China blocks yeah. so many of their apps. So yeah. anyway, it's, it's just it, the, mean, the, the of, reasons. Yeah. There's a lot of projection going on, right? Because, sure. <laughs> because NSA, they know they, they are monitoring our emails. <laughs> They're all, you know, like working with Google, Facebook, and, and getting our data. So they can't stand the fact that somebody else could potentially do it too. So, so that's that.